Hey, y'all, if you're enjoying this podcast, take two seconds, send it to five friends. Um, some of the top episodes would be the self-confidence, masculinity, and the Byron Rogers podcast if you want to send uh, some of the top ones to them. Otherwise, just take 30 seconds and review it on whatever podcast uh, application you use, whether it be Spotify, YouTube, Google, iTunes, Amazon, any of them. Thank you. Today's podcast is brought to you by AssaultLimited.com. Even when you aren't saying anything, you're saying something. Let your gear say the right thing for you. That's where Assault Limited comes in. Assault Limited offers tactical versions of things you use every day. The Assault Pen is a great quality, intimidating looking pen with a pinpoint tip used for self-defense or to break glass. The Assault Spork has so many different tactical uses, we only have time to highlight a few. It's a spoon, a fork, a wrench, a carabiner, and a bottle opener. The possibilities are endless. The Assault Pencils and the Assault Straws... Well, they both look pretty badass, and they both tell political correctness to take a long jump off a short bridge. When you need things and you want them to be the best quality while issuing a statement to anyone else who sees, look at AssaultLimited.com. Also sponsoring today's podcast is Urban Savage, U-R-B-N-S-V-G.com. The best quality apparel available. American-made t-shirts and sweatshirts that fit great with the quality that will outlast the creepy battery bunny. The Date Night Tee, which is the badass's version of the subtle embroidered logo t-shirt that so many of us grew up with. And the hats are 100% American made, not just embroidered here like so many others. Ooh, and those sweatshirts are so damn comfy. The next time you're thinking about scoring a new piece of gear, remember to check out urbnsvg.com. Last but not least, today's podcast is brought to you by A3 Body Protectant. A3 was designed when Martin noticed that Hawaiian surfers who spend their entire lives in the sun had radiant, healthy skin. After plenty of awkward questions about how seriously they take their skin care, he learned the secrets. Hawaii's best kit secret is now available at A3Equip.com. That's A3EQUIP.com. A3 is a truly natural cream that can be used as a skin lotion, a lip balm, a hair conditioner, honestly, anywhere you want to keep moist and healthy get yours today at a3equip.com all doctors to the er do these guys have any idea what they are talking about talking about talking about get squared away spiritual get squared away emotional get squared away mental Get squared away. Physical. The podcast that'll help you get squared away. All right, we're back with the uh, next episode of the Squared Away podcast. And we were just talking about this before we got on, but kind of officially the first female guest, even though we had a female guest, but there was a little, we went a little bit too deep and a little bit too dark. So we, uh, we were asked to pull that one down and we did because we didn't want to, um, mess with anybody's safety, but Christine bright, um, really funny story. Martin emailed me, uh, probably a few months ago, a few weeks ago. And was like, Hey, you know, I got connected with this woman that hosts this TV show called the parenting game and is a certified parent coach. And I believe a certified family coach also. And, uh, should we have her on? I was like, yeah, definitely. Anybody that's anybody that's trying to help people, anybody that's kind of reaching out and, and touching people, let's, ha- let's have them on. And then, uh, this week I sat down and went through the email to try to get some more information. And I saw the the last name on the bottom and I actually, I know Christine from a, from a previous world. So that was uh that was pretty funny. Christine, why don't you, I don't know, why don't you kind of give everybody like an overview of, of who you are, what you do, why you're on here, who you're trying to help. 
Well, thank you for the invite. Invite, And as I said, uh, honored to be a female invited on to your show. Um, so about two years ago is when I started Parenting Game, which was, of course, during the height of the pandemic. And before that, I had worked in the world um, as a child care professional, typically working with families who had kids that had extremely explosive behaviors, either due to a diagnosis of autism, ADHD, oppositional defiance disorder, sometimes this reinforced by some not good parenting choices. But the family would hire me full time to, to work with that child. And during the pandemic, there, you know, the need exploded. Now parents no longer have a break from behaviors. They are dealing with challenging behaviors. It's now they're all day in my face. And I had a company, Fairway Mortgage, uh, reach out to me and ask if I could do monthly webinars. And my friend, whose brother is the CEO of that company, was so awesome by telling him, oh my gosh, yeah, she has a great company. She can help you do that. And actually, all I had was a logo. <laughs> I did not have a company <laughs> at that point. So, um, you know, as you know, Paul, I had a company once before, so I knew what it took. So within 30 days, I uh, got, you know, the LLC set up and, and going. And what it did is force me to get out of my head what I actually do when I go into a family. I had friends tell me all the time, how do you do that? How do you go into a family that's in complete chaos and then within four to six months transform them? And I, I really didn't know. I didn't know how to put words on it. So this opportunity forced me to really start doing that and putting, you know, what strategies did I develop without knowing it? And that's how Parenting Game got started. And I had this great opportunity with, um, you know, being connected with the Sun Prairie Media Center and allowing me to, to start producing a show there uh, where we just hit our one year on, on the show. And it's, just been going, you know, it's just been a nice steady growth of getting my name out there and being able to coach parents and still work with kids who I, I really have a heart for working for kids that are on the spectrum. So I also do that piece as well. So we're all, we're all about actionable Intel, right? Like that's everything that we do here is actionable. We all we're you know, it's really good to know, a lot of the, the, the why, but the, what is so imperative. Um, so just like, why don't you give us everybody that's going to listen to this, just some high spots. Like, what are some things I have, I have a few different issues, like, right. Like a lot of the people that listen to this are already involved parents. They know what they're doing. They're very conscious of what they're doing. So first of all, let's kind of speak to them. Let's talk to them. What can they do to improve if, if, you know, if you have some disciplinary issues, what are some things that, that clinically actually work? What doesn't work? Stuff like that. And then we'll get into the how do we actually solve like the 94% of people that are not paying any attention to their kids? Because that's a whole other ballgame. I, I love sharing. And 
What I've learned over my 20 years of experience is, and, and, and I've had, you know, I consider a real privilege that families trusted me to come into their home and work in their home with their kids. I, I don't think I would have been able to do that, even if I, I really needed to. Um, I know you're putting yourself in a very vulnerable spot. And so I, I just so appreciate those parents who allowed me to do that. And I also had a great opportunity to just sit back and watch, you know, why did that simple comment now escalate into this big argument? What, you know, what's going on? What words were used? And, and I, you know, I'd done, you know, if you ever hear my story, I wish my story came out of that, you know, I was a freaking amazing parent and now I'm bestowing all my wisdom upon you. And that, that's not the case. I had my son hold a mirror up to me and I realized he was developing some really bad behaviors such as yelling and screaming because he was learning them from me. So I dug in and I did a lot of learning, but where I really started to hone my skills was having this opportunity. And we as parents are so busy. And one of the biggest mistakes that, that we make is we problem solve for our kids too quickly. We assume too much. And now something that could have been solved really easy is now this big explosive because how we want to solve it for them isn't going to work or isn't satisfying to them. We need to slow down and we need to be curious. We need to ask questions. We assume defiance. Just because they're not doing what we say, we assume they're defying us. And that is not the case. I have really, I mean, and this is not scientific whatsoever. But my overall experience is true defiance really is only about 20% of the time. The other 80%, there is a problem for this little kiddo in their head that needs to be solved. And if we can take the time to slow down and help them problem solve, so much of the conflict we have in family really becomes non-existent so that that's the big one i love to share it's kind of just stepping back and like realizing that you need to work with your kids to help them versus working at your kids i guess right like that's kind of what <laughs> that's kind of what you're saying yes kids are better at problem solving than we often give them credit for. And they do know themselves what's going to make them feel better. Now, I say this with you can come up with a solution and maybe it doesn't work. And you have to come back around to that conversation and say, hey, uh, I'll give you a, just an example from experience I had. Dentist was epic meltdown mode. And I had a conversation. I was working with a family that had four kiddos. So I had a conversation with each one. Going to the dentist is a have to. It stinks. I know it. It's a have to. What would make it better? And 
what each kid came up with their own solution. It was not a one size fits all, but they each had their own solution. Now, one of them, the solution they came up with did, did not help. And we, we kind of had a rough patch, but we came back around. And, and the beauty of that is, is you go, well, Hey, this is what you said would work. And it didn't. Do you have another idea or can I make a suggestion? And then the second one, then it worked. One kiddo wanted to take a stuffed animal. One kiddo wanted to know, can I have the sucker after I'm done? Another kiddo goes, I just want to come home and be by myself because it was so stressful and anxiety ridden for him. He just wanted to know he shared a bedroom. He just wanted to know he could go to his bedroom and relax when he was done. Awesome. You, but I could have thrown all sorts of solutions on them. I could have said, you have to go and take them kicking and screaming in the car and we're all freaking stressed out for the day. But instead, we, I took the time to problem solve and from there moving forward, never had a problem going to the dentist. That's perfect. I mean, just, just taking that and kind of snowballing that into like so many other problems, which, I mean, I have an 18 year old and a nine year old Martin's got like, I don't know, seven of them from <laughs> five, five to 35 or something. I don't even know. Oh my goodness. Four, four, simply four. Uh, close. I was so close. Three adults and one child right now. It's Three adults. Oh. Thank God you Asians don't age. <laughs> yeah, I'm at the five zero, man. I know. I know. Yeah, Trust yeah. me. So here's one question for you, Christine. I know you have a, a passion for there's single fathers out there that don't get a lot of credit. And, um, you know, I think we both know some single dads out there. There's, there's a lot that I've known that the, the mom has left and... This goes back to the uh, thing you were correcting us about earlier. So how does the, the single dad then approach the situation and being both the provider and also the nurturer, which, you know, please correct our, our last episode where I, I said men <laughs> weren't very nurturing. Uh, yes. Um, so, you know, I, I have had the honor to be on several podcasts like this one, you know, I was on um, Ryan Miller's podcast where, you know, I was the first female on his. Um, I was on Made to Thrive. And I really want to be a female voice in speaking into that to that dad's world or, you know, even the men's world that we're not all us women are not buying into what's happening. I do not like that in an effort to elevate women, which needs to be done, we're minimizing men and making men the bad guy. Because as we know, just look back in history, whenever you minimize a personhood to elevate another personhood, it does not end well. And I just want to empower dads and say, I, I get it. I mean, you're in this, I don't, I, I think it's just like, I don't know how to be like, I, I feel like I need to be the leader. 
but then I'm also supposed to be nurturing. And what does that look like? And if I'm too nurturing, am I a pushover? And if I totally focus on, you know, being a leader, am I dominating my kids? And how does this all work? And I have had the privilege to be able to coach several single dads. And what I come out of the gate with is I'm going to teach you to have a dad voice. Your dad voice isn't yelling. You can have a dad voice and influence your kids. One of, you know, and I knew I grew, I grew up with this. The misnomer is controlling, molding, you know, dominating compliance, that that is the goal of raising our kids. And we know it, but yet it doesn't always compute. We all know when somebody is controlled, what happens? They rebel. They're eventually going to get to a point where they rebel. And I want to help dads. I want to help parents do a little switch and say, you really want to influence. Because when you influence, you will learn to protect the person's identity. You will build a strong relationship. And this will last a lifetime. I am so grateful that I learned some of this early on with my son. He is 28 years old now. We have a great, deep relationship, and I'm his first call on everything. You know, first call when something good's happening, first call when something bad's happening. And I've really learned to be an influencer instead of wanting to go in and fix it and giving him ideas and options to sit and listen, and then just ask, do you need help? And he's like, no. You know, there's been other times where I said, hey, can I speak boldly into this? And he goes, sure. And we have just like this amazing aha moment. So with that, with nurturing, so, you know, the definition of nurturing, according to Webster's on Google, <laughs> is real. nurturing is encouraging, is empowering somebody. That's what nurturing is. Now, where the mock-up gets between where men say, I'm not very good at nurturing and, you know, women are more nurturing, is not that men aren't capable. It's how they go about doing it because men and women think differently. Where, you know, with women, you know, our, our gifting and then where we can, it causes issues is because all our emotions, everything is tangled up in everything. And because those emotions are more on the surface, it seems like we are more nurturing. And then with the guys, with the waffle brain, we've heard that can compartmentalize. It's not that you can't be nurturing. It's just you're better at, in this moment, I need to kind of set aside the feelings and make a decision here. And then where the, the oops can be is then they never, never bring that emotional piece back into it. So men can be nurturing. They should be nurturing. If you're not good at it, you can learn <laughs> to be nurturing. And that's what 
I, I talk about in parenting game is how to do that, to how to use your language. You know, another term I use is where you become an attractive parent, how you're approaching your kids makes you attractive and they want to come and tell you stuff. They want to trust you with their thoughts, feelings, and emotions. And FII, I teach this in the business world and it can transform how you sell and how you connect with your clients. Just plug in that. <laughs> yeah, no, realistically, that's the first thing I thought of. You started talking about that and I was like, this is exactly what we talk about, the difference between a leader and a boss, right? Like a leader, a leader leads from the front and everybody follows him because they emotionally are invested and they want to follow him. They would, you know, they, I, I talk about it, you know, from the movie 300, if you've ever watched 300, whereas yeah. Xerxes, it was Xerxes come to Leonidas and he says, I have a million men that I would kill to first Sparta. And Leonidas says, that's funny because I have. 300 men that would die for me or I would die for, you know, right? Like that's the difference between a leader and a leader and a boss. Um, but then as far as your, as far as your parenting comment about, um, a lot of, a lot of the problem comes from right. Getting them, getting them just to listen and do what you want compliance. Right. I don't know about everyone else out there, I'm raising my kids to be absolute world beaters, right? Like I want them to go out and I want them to, to take over the world. I want them to change the world. I want them to be absolutely as successful as they can be in whatever that definition is to them. And what makes us think that we can teach someone, beat someone into compliance, teach someone emotionally to be compliant to us for 18 years and then all of the sudden at 18 year and one day when they are responsible for themselves, they're all of a sudden going to start like going after things that they want and, and they're going to, they're going to chase their dreams. Whereas I've been telling them exactly what to do, how to do it and, and what they're going to do for, for all these days up to that. That doesn't work. That's not inspiring. That's not parenting. That's raising a dog. Yeah, I, you you know, you hit it on the head and, and it takes a little bit for some parents, you know, because we parent like our parents, you know, everybody says kids don't come with a manual. And my whole little tagline is, yeah, you're right. They don't. But now you can get the playbook on, you know, on how to do that. And, you know, I came out of that world of very fundamental Baptist um, you know, compliance. And I would say it's taking me a lifetime to now be confident and trust my gut and, and, you know, trust my, my own thoughts, feelings, you know, and emotions. Uh, I often laugh. I'm like, boy, if someone, if my youth pastor could see me now with all the tats, you, you know, probably die of a heart attack um, and be praying for me constantly. Uh, but we, you know, you, the, the real hardcore fact is, and, and again, we know this when you're with somebody who's strictly about compliance, there, the relationship is not good. It's not that there's not a relationship. It is a very low, um, you know, un, um, what do I want to say? Unengaged relationship. You, you can't have both. You're either going to have a deep relationship or you're going to get compliance. And I'll tell parents, you know, and I just, I just tell parents, which pick, 
because then I, I'm going to know how to coach you. Which one do you want? And they're, you know, well, I, I want a relationship with my kid. I want, you know, when he gets older that they confide in me and do all that. Well, then we have to approach these younger years a little differently. And it doesn't mean, and then, you know, then they ask, oh, are you just all this mamby-pamby? And, you know, oh, you know, let the, let the, you know, oh, you know, I'm sorry, you're having these feelings and stuff. And I said, no, that's why they call me the manager because I'm, I, you know, I'm hardcore. It, it doesn't mean that there aren't ways that you can build an atmosphere of kids who are motivated and achieve and listen and communicate. The other part of what I teach is you can either do it and have a compliance type family structure where kids are either motivated because they are going to receive a reward or they're avoiding punishment, which means they only function based on external values. You want to start developing an internal value system where ultimately they're doing what they're doing because it's the right thing to do, because it's helpful, because it's kind, because it's the safe way of doing something. And when parents start, that starts clicking for parents and they see how they use their words, they feel better. Because I mean, really think about it. When we yell at our kid and we finally get that compliance, it doesn't feel that great. But we're still going to have to have some strict, right? Like we still have to have, you still have to have some, some structure and some guidelines and you're going to say no, like you're going to say no to your kids and they're going to be pissed off at you. Um, so I, like, I want, I want to make sure that I back up what you're saying with the idea that like, we are not like, you cannot be your kid's best friend all the time. You're not, you are still the person that whether they think you do or not, a lot of the times you do know better and you do understand why they can't go do this thing that they want to do. You know, at 13, they are not going to go stay over at, you know, their boyfriend's house or, or, or whatever. Like, but the way that I took that with, with my kids and, and my youngest and my oldest is 18 now, um, is it's not me telling, you no because I said, so I'm going to take a minute to explain to you why that is inappropriate or why I am not comfortable with that or why I think it's a bad idea because that all of a sudden changes that disciplinarian place that I'm coming from to I am, whether you agree with it or not, I am doing this because I feel like it is for your own good in the long run. Absolutely. And you know, we, we talk about structure and strictness, you know, cause that's the question I got. It's like, oh, I want to have structure, but I don't want to be strict. And I challenge parents about, it's not an either or, it's an and. There are situations where you provide structure and within that there's plenty of choices that they can make. And then in other situations, there is strictness out of safety, out of out of a family value or a faith value that you're practicing in your home. 
And I, I got this great compliment the, the other day from a parent, um, you know, because they wonder, because we start out with a lot of bit of the, the language and changing their language. And then we get into this part about structure and strictness and parental authority and that that comes with limits. And we get down there going, oh, you're giving us permission to act like a parent. <laughs> and I said, yeah. And I and, and we and we talk about, you know, with the parental authority, I have this great diagram of an umbrella and, you know, the word limits coming off the edges of that umbrella. And I said, share this with your kids. They're under your protection and provision and it's going to come with limits. And that's life. You are under the protection and provision of the United States. You better pay your taxes. You know, you're under the protection and provision of the city you live in. If you speed, you're going to get a ticket. This is how good, healthy society works. The other part I share with parents is be honest about your preferences. We had a preference with my son. It was short hair. I said, that is a preference. I could give you a Bible verse, but I'm not going to. I'm just letting you know, for our family, short hair is a preference. The day you move outside of our umbrella, grow it out as long as you want. I'll still love you. I won't care. But this is one of our preferences. And he didn't like it. We did come up with a compromise. I would, um, the blonde tipping Backstreet Boys, he was in that Backstreet Boy area, uh, era. So I would do blonde tips in his hair. That was kind of our compromise. Funny thing is, he ended up growing out his hair, couldn't stand it, and now he's in the military and he's high and tight like all the time. I love it. So I, I feel like I kind of got a win there. Um, but he didn't know, tell you he didn't tell you Jesus that. has long hair. He didn't tell you Jesus had long you hair because that'd be my comeback. Yeah, the Marines don't believe in uh, long hair. I don't know. But, you know, we just owned it. We just said, this is one of our preferences. And as parents, you get that because you're providing, you know, that protection and provision. And someday they can, you know, go, I didn't shame them for it. I didn't, you know, is this, this is just our thing and we're going to own it. And even though he didn't like it, it was way better than me coming up with some stupid, big justification you know, on why about short hair. Um, the, you know, the other thing was, you know, I liked a well-made bed. He grew up, you know, making, you know, making his bed. And I said, your mom is cray cray. And even if you shut your door, I know that bed's not made and it drives me nuts. So again, <laughs> while you live under our house, you need to make that bed, you know, but it was this owning those things that made it more acceptable to him. And it's funny, his apartment seriously is cleaner than mine. I mean, he it, it all kicked in. Age 25 for boys is awesome. Everything starts kicking in. <laughs> well, you know, the prefrontal cortex isn't actually finally evolved on a male till 25 to 27. So I don't remember which yep. uh, I don't remember which which neurobiologist I was listening to talk, but her whole thing is just keep them alive to 25, right? Like no babies. <laughs> No marriages and no felonies before 25, because those are things you can't take back. Um, uh, I got I one that's married and she's not 25 yet, so. 
no babies though. But she's a girl. She's a girl though, so oh, the prefrontal cortex girl. is a little earlier. <laughs> a <little> more developed. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, with with my kids, I mean, I always try to draw the line. I'm like, yeah, we have a lot of fun, and and but ultimately, you know, dad's not here to be your best friend to entertain you. And I think that's the problem we have in society is there's so much parents are just trying to keep their kids entertained and constantly um, hit with so many I don't know, events. Uh, I guess kind of like the Disney dad is a definition. But I mean, I make it really clear with my kids that it's like, hey, I'm, my responsibility as a parent is to help you become an adult. You know, I'm trying to parent an adult. I'm not a kid trying to raise another kid. And I think that's the thing I see that's happening in society today is that you have all these grown kids raising kids that grow up to be kids. And, you know, going back to last week, we talked about, you know, idiocracy. And I don't know if you've seen the the beginning of idiocracy where there's that chart and it's like exponentially the, the dumb family keeps growing and reproducing more dumb people. Well, I, I have a feeling that's just it's what's happening is it's not that people are dumb. It's just they're they're just not maturing. They're not being raised. They're just being entertained and to consume. I mean, is that what you're seeing, or am I going crazy? I know I'm crazy, but thanks for clarifying that. I was going to say, well, you're crazy, but not about what you're saying. It is. We, you know, parents, we, we, this shift happened. I want to be my kid's friend. And that time will come. That time will come when they're older and established if you do things right. You know, I, I would, you know, I didn't, I didn't need more friends. I had a good friend group. I didn't need Dalton to be my friend. And, so yeah, so we got to remember that we're we're in that that parent role. We're an influencer. We can be a confidant, um, but you know, I'm not your buddy. I'm not your pal. I'm gonna follow through. I'm gonna you know toe the line. And there's gonna be results you don't like when there's undesirable behavior. If you choose desirable behavior, then you're gonna have a lot more freedom and a lot more results. You know that you do like. Um, the other you know, piece that has played, you know, into it because, you know, I've just worked with all sorts of different families, a lot of, uh, you know, divorce and then, you know, going into um, blended families. During the divorce period and, you know, I just interviewed Adam, you know, and he was very vulnerable and, and, and owned this. What happens is with divorce, you know, no matter what the reason is, and there's some really, really good reasons why marriages need to end, we we take on guilt and shame. And in that guilt and shame is we're looking at our kids and we see our kids struggling and we're trying to figure out how to help them and how to compensate. And usually what happens, and I have a little diagram of it, is one parent will become the fun faucet parent. Everything is fun, I'm spending money on everything, whatever you want, you can have it. Then the other parent will overcompensate the other way and become the frugal and firm parent. So hard for kids to navigate because they have such a huge transition now between one parent is this way 
And then now I'm switching back and I have to adjust to a whole new set of rules and regs when I go with the other parent. And usually in the divorce situation, I only am working with the one parent. And what I encourage them on is like, stay on the level. Your kids need you to stay on the level. Don't get like, okay, moms, you know, or dad is buying them everything that they want. So I'm not going to buy them anything ever because this is how they're going to learn. It's not the case. Think about what would you have done if it, if, if the family was, was still together and say grandma and grandpa would have done it. You want you know, you wouldn't be reacting the way that you are. So I really work with them on, on staying on the level. And I, that's, that's the big part of it is to see these huge swings and kids grow up. And I, I don't want to use the word manipulative, but they do grow up kind of playing the game to get their needs met instead of being able to healthy in a healthy manner verbalize their thoughts, feelings, and emotions, because a lot of times they're build, they're dealing with two extremes. They kind of learn to play a game. They learn to tell people what they want to hear to get those needs met. And, you know, that's deep psychological therapy stuff that, that needs to happen. But in my role as a coach, I, I really try to help that, that parent stay on an even keel and be fair and level and not become one of the extremes. So they turn into politicians? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> it, kinda, it really is. I mean, it's this, this whole, you, you're doing that, so I'm going to do this. It is, right? I can't agree with you. I can't do this just because you're doing it. 100%. Or sociopaths is another Ish. word to put it. Another word they use. <laughs> you know, and, uh, and I I give a lot of grace, you know, I because there's so much emotion and, and, and stuff there and you're navigating so much. And really, it's it's the guilt and shame that a parent is feeling when a divorce happens. And then the and then their own, and then you layer on another layer of guilt and shame because you see your kids struggling. And I, you know, I'm, I'm trying to get plugged in with more divorce attorneys. I think every parent, even if it's amicable to either have a parenting coach or a therapist or something to help you stay even keel, because it is, it's hard to do when you're getting so many layers of emotion and to, to, to sort through and handle it all. Well, there, there's so much to unwrap with that whole divorce thing, because first of all, we have such a distorted emotional opinion about what 
a, what a relationship or a marriage needs to be, whether that's because of the Quaker founding of our country or whether because of the religious underpinnings in our country or whatever it is, it's like, you know, till, till death do us part. And you, you, you know, you betrayed me and left me. And it's like, I, you should not want someone to be with you for 30 seconds longer than they want to be with you. Because if you truly love that person, you want them to be happy. And if that means that if, if they can't be happy here, then they need to be happy somewhere else. And that's something that you need to be okay with. You don't, you don't have to, you don't have to support it. You don't have to push them out, but like, why the fuck would you want somebody to be in your relationship with you if they don't want to be there? Like, Oh, you stay here, stay here. I'm going to, I'm going to tie it. You know, like why, why? So we have such a, we have such a, what isn't there steps that you know that had happened to get to that point that you could maybe walk back through counseling or like well, the sure, devil's I'm, advocate I'm sh- like you are so yeah usually- no i i agree i agree a hundred percent um if you get to that point i think that you're already you're already way past but how did you get to that point you probably got to that point because one or both of the people in the relationship are likely searching for something outside the relationship that really is in here because so many people think that they need someone else to make them feel better or make someone else, someone else to make them feel stronger or someone else to make them feel whole. But really a relationship at, at its best should be two awesome people who are awesome together because they're already awesome people. And when they're together, they make an awesome pair and that's what it, that's where it should be. So you're so far, you know, if you get to the point where if you get to the point where you're talking divorce, I think that you're, you're so far past that. But like Martin, I know a situation close, close to, you know, your heart where it's like, how do you deal with that when, when only one person is really interested in being better, right? Like that's, we've talked about that so many times. Like if you get to that level where only one person, where only one person is like, all right, I, you know, I have things I want to work on. The other person's like, I'm, well, I'm perfect. So sorry. Like, (laughs) I mean, I don't, I don't know. Like, I know we've talked about that and and I'm lost when it comes to that, to that point when you're, if you're in a relationship with somebody that's damaged like that, I don't, I'm not deep enough in my psychological leanings to, to help. Well, damage are narcissistic. I don't think uh, most narcissists can really turn them. So I don't know. So maybe it was a, maybe (laughs) it was a pre, maybe, maybe it was a pre-choice. Maybe it was a pre-choice problem. Maybe you, maybe you bought a damaged car. True. That's a lemon. You know, that's, I, I, one of the most powerful things that I've learned, um, because, you know, I've been divorced twice, which I never, saw i mean the vision of my of me was i was going to be married and have six kids and we were going to have a 75th wedding anniversary and that's really how i saw my life never did i see it you know with four pieces of paper you know in that folder and i have to say i still kind of grieve about that when i when i see that um but for me you know, it definitely, I was young, I was 19 when I met my first and he was filling a lot of things that I, that I needed. And then as, you know, I grew and was, 
you know, definitely about self-improvement and wanting to do better. And, you know, this disparity happened and, you know, just a lot of different stuff. But when it came down to the end, it was, it was that situation of where are we? I'm willing to go and work and change on things. And he, he was like, I'm not. And I said, but you want to stay married? And he goes, yeah. I don't think I can do that. I, I don't want to do that. You know, this, this needs, you know, the end. Um, and then I didn't take the time, the part that I had to own, you know, we were together 22 years. So half my life, I didn't take enough time in between that first divorce before I met somebody else and unfortunately got in a very abusive, um, relationship. And now, huh, after a lot, you know, lots of learning, lots of therapy, you know, it's been three and a half years now and I'm still, you know, not ready yet. I need to take that time to heal because I've seen now, I was always looking for somebody to fill something in me. And it's exactly what you said. I need to be an awesome person on my own. And then, you know, I have some non-negotiables and, you know, outside of that, if you're awesome and you got your stuff fairly fixed or even this growth mindset. I mean, do I see you seeking things out? Do you, are you able to say, take it when somebody comes to you and says, eh, you know, this wasn't like the best, you know, that that's why I'm looking forward in the future. Um, but I, I just, I, I'm proud of my son. He's 28, you know, and he, he's had girlfriends and stuff, but he's, He's really just kind of taking it slow and chilling. And I'm so glad, you know, and he's had a relationship where he's been able to go, oh, this isn't feeling good. You know, I don't think this is what I want. And, you know, and I honor him for that because I said, I don't regret. I, I'm glad I was a young mother. I'm so glad I have him. He's like just amazing. So I said, I don't have regret. And yet I can see the value of, you know, waiting and, you know, that I didn't take time to heal in many cases. Sounds like you guys have the type of relationship that's going to make any future daughter-in-law. It's going to give her a complex. <laughs> <laughs> I am going to be the get, best mother-in-law ever. <laughs> I want to get grandma. like a, a buzzword button. I want to get a buzzword button. So when somebody that we have as a guest says one of our buzzwords, we can like, and it buzzwords because you said mindset. growth mindset yeah <laughs> <Got> it. <laughs> which uh we did we've done <laughs> well have you have, like are you aware of word. are you aware of carol dweck's research she was the one that actually initiate did all the initiate initiation research and all the scientific backbone behind the the growth mindset versus fixed mindset the book's um, just called growth mindset i did not know her name i mean you know i've read a lot about it but i did not know her name um, I'm a big fan of Caroline Leaf, who is also on that same trajectory of trajectory. That's a hard word to say um, of growth mindset as well. Yeah. So um, some of the most amazing things, which we people are so sick of hearing me go down these fucking dark rabbit holes about this stuff. But like this is <laughs> this is like this is the backbone, right? Like I talk about I talk about changing, changing your 
mindset or changing your habits is how you change, right? It's not like, it's not like, oh, I think I'm going to eat better. Well, if you just say, I think I'm going to eat better, but you don't actually put anything in place to eat better. You don't stop buying shitty food and have it in your house. You don't start buying good food. You don't meal prep for your lunches and you have to stop at a gas station. Like that shit's not going to change. And this is, it's the same with the growth mindset. So some of the, some of the most amazing things come out of that growth mindset. Like, um, one that I've covered here a few times is the separation of minority groups, whether it be women or African-American groups, the people that have growth mindset have zero change in test scores when they are, when they are, um, uh, prodded at the beginning of a test. Uh, so they sit down and they, and they have these tests and it'll just be like a math test. And in one group, the person that's handing out the test will be like, you know, women generally do a little bit poorer on this test, but just try your hardest, right? Like that's a, that's a primer. So they would prime them and they would actually do worse versus the people that have a growth mindset. It doesn't change. The test scores don't change whether they're primed or not. Like that right there at its core is so astonishing as what that means for the rest of your life. That's why Asians are, you know, always going high. There we go with the Asians again. (laughs) I got that plug in one per episode. You had to. You had to. (laughs) Well, and I, I was going to say, let's circle back to parenting, but I'm afraid that I would have set off the buzzword button again. The Jen Pulaski? So we'll You're going to Jen Pulaski us? Yeah, I'll bring it, I'll bring it back to parenting, you know, and that, it, that's what, you know, parents need to do is they do need to have a growth mindset and be willing to, you know, think differently about how, you know, you, you approach your parenting. And, you know, I will say, ultimately, all my clients, the ones that tap out, you know, I've had some, um, you know, tap out on it and not follow through. And it just breaks my heart. But I just know they, they didn't have that growth mindset, they, they were fixed on how they were going to do things and not and you know then the parents who do make that change and follow through and then i hear from them years later uh is you know really really amazing um i just you know my heart is i want every parent to be able to be an influencer in their kids all their lives and it doesn't magically happen when they become adults, which I think some parents think, I just need to get through, you know, the growing up years and teen years, and we get through that. Now, magically, then I can just have this adult relationship, you know, where we influence. And that is not the case. You, you know, and not that you can't repair. Like I've helped some dads and families, you know, repair, a relationship that was broken. So it can always be fixed. And we also have to know this isn't going to magically happen because you've either built trust or you've destroyed trust or you've made it unsafe to, you know, for them to share thoughts, feelings, and emotions. That all, that all starts the minute they're put in your arms. So we've spent what 48 minutes kind of talking to the people that are listening, right? Like we've, we're talking to the people, these people, they, 
if they listen to this podcast, we've beaten them over the head with self-improvement so many times that I can't believe they're still downloading it every week. Maybe they just have their iPhone set to auto download and that's where all of our downloads come in. I don't know. But now I want to spend the next 15 minutes talking about how do we fix the other 94% of the population that is not even thinking about improving their parenting. They're not even thinking about parenting. Right. Like how many people do we see in a day where you're like, oh, my God, I want to help this woman who is like yelling at her kids in the grocery store. But you can't right? like I can't walk up to her and be like, hold on, let me take your kids to the other aisle for two minutes. Take a breather. You know, like you just a <laughs> little bit frown, especially like you know, me. Right. They'd be like, you're going to steal my kids and sell them like I promise yeah. I'm not. Oh, but that you should be scared of that. Um, so you, you do you you said that parenting comes with a guide do you have a parenting guide yeah it's called the parenting game playbook and it's actually set up like a playbook if you were teaching somebody a sport so it has it's, it's really cool it has tabs and so we do fundamentals skills and then plays and wins is is the breakdown of the six-week course and you know speaking you know of you know the, those who you know think everything is okay um you know, maybe more have this, you know, generationally been brought up with this, you know, this hammer type attitude um, is I, I love, that's why I love doing podcasts. I'm hoping to hit some of those. I love getting out speaking because even though they, that person seems like I don't care, or this is the way that I've always done it. Ultimately, I usually can say something that gives them an aha moment of, and, and one of those, we actually do the exercise in the training, but usually when I'm just out talking and I can see somebody's more, just not typically in a, a growth mindset person, I'll ask them, can you give me two or three words that you would like your kids to describe you with? At your funeral how do you want to be remembered what words and when they share those words with me i can simply ask them do you feel your parenting choices are emulating those words and they don't have to say it i can see it on their face and that's when i say i can help you discover another way where you still can have a calm, peaceful home where everybody's listening, communicating, and cooperates. And it doesn't have to be this yelling, compliance, stress to achieve that. So that, that's the question I, I love asking those parents who are pretty stoic and I'm fine and I'm doing, you know, they're, they're, how I parent is just fine. Um, and when they when they get to that core of how do they want to be remembered, then then that mirrors up. Am I parenting that's going to make those words flow out of my kid's mouth? A few thoughts I had to help. Do you have like a link where I could like send anonymously the book to people? 
right? Like, I feel like that'd be, I feel like that'd be good. I actually, if they go to parenting, no, not them, not them. I can't tell them. I need to be able to send it to them without them knowing. I think they're bad parents. I need to be able to anonymously. I can hook you you up with the link with the win at parenting playbook. Seriously, I have a win at parenting playbook, which has the top three strategies where you can send it. And it looks really cool, too. Looks like they're going to think they're getting a playbook like to learn a sport. And they're going to learn how to parenting. So I can I can give you that and you can on the sly or you can print it off and shove it under somebody's office door. My other thought is, right, so there's my other thought. What if we did, like, uh, what are the the crowdsourcing apps, like one of the crowdsourcing apps, and we just got a ton of them, and then we put them, you know, those, like, newspaper things where you could, like, open it up and grab a newspaper, and we, like, put those, like, all over, and it just said, like, you know, free, right, because everybody loves free shit, and it didn't say free what it was because you want them to stop. Right. And it just says yeah. free. And then they open it and they grab it. But then you got to make it so the thing do- it closes and you can't get it back open. So they can't be like, oh, shit. <laughs> you know, right. And then they take it with them and it's in the front seat of their car. And then eventually maybe they're like, oh, I should probably look at this free thing that I grabbed. And then maybe we solve like 20 percent of the world's problems. Do you know, I have another idea for you. OK, I think okay, I'm open. I'm gonna- I'm going to print off a ton of them and you can go to all the fairs that are going on and put them on the windshields. That's like still a thing. Definitely still a thing. I don't know if you want seems, to do that. Because seems pricey. You know, if you, if you bring your kid to a fair, you're not parenting well. <laughs> oh, free cre- well, cream puff stands, F- cream puff stands, <gasps> F- free cream puff with parenting book and Nutri- we'll we'll also put a little nutritional guide pamphlet in there because if they're buying cream puffs, there's a good chance that we could also help from that <laughs> angle. Look at Martin shake his head. Look at that. He is so impressed with my inspiration to the world. No, this is getting a little too gimmicky. So, no. oh, gimmicky. You're Asian. Hey, it's all gimmicky. Come on. I like the it's digital awesome. copy version, and that you want to some you know subtly. Maybe get yourself oh, like so one of those s- fake text numbers and then text set, that link. Set up an people. anonymous email account, right? Like you That's said, true, like yeah. just one anonymous email account where the, I can just, you know, you just have a pop-up box on the website. I can put in anybody's email address and then your backend site will anonymously send them the free gu- parenting guide with like something and, and like a nice little message, right? Like, Somebody loves you. They want to help you raise your, you know, they want to help you be an inspiration, right? Because you know, not raise your kids. Nobody wants help raising their kids. Somebody loves you. They want to help you inspire. And then it, then the book's right there and they don't know who it came from. There you go. Or have a targeted mail list. Okay. (laughs) Those don't get opened. You know, the guilt and shame (laughs) method. And I can just say, if you're doing this, you're doing this, you're doing this. You need help. Here's the book. I like it. I mean, I think we should go to guilt and shame route. I'm just saying. Yeah, that seems good. <laughs> the last 10 minutes of this podcast is marketing schemes. So, <laughs> so no, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's good marketing schemes. All right. 50% good marketing schemes. Hey, Christine, I heard you had. Um, a, I still like. 
I heard you have some skills in uh, neurolinguistics. You're really good with uh, creating messages with imagery. Is that true? And where'd you learn that? Okay, you're going to have to clarify because I, I, maybe I'm I'm doing it and I didn't even know it was like neurolinguistics. Oh, it's neural something. I'm probably saying it wrong. Oh. Yeah, NLP NLP is neurolinguistic programming. That's like changing words to actually create imagery in someone's head. Yeah, that's NLP. Okay, so do I do? Do I? Okay, so what I? I don't know if it would fall in neurolinguistics. I do have this exercise that um, I do with parents. I do with kids. The emotional color wheel, which has been really powerful. And it's, I guess it's along those lines. Um, so initially, what it's about is you take a situation that's like maybe stressful to your child and you use this wheel and you they start identifying the words that they feel when say they're good. I'll just, I'll just throw this one out. I just, I had a kiddo that I worked with. Um, just when he was doing chores and they were just having a real problem. They were just having a lot of negative behaviors when it came to, to, to doing tasks and stuff around the house. So I worked with him and, you know, we got these core words of what he was feeling. And then we worked on, well, how, how would you like to feel, you know, when, and then he, he picked out those words. And then we worked on what do you feel you need to do to help feel these positive words instead of these negative words. And what it really boiled down to is, is him taking ownership of his bedtime routine. And it all came down to, you know, sleep and not getting up. And, and then we talked, you know, I talked with him about, you know, it's, it's, it's a habit and your brain doesn't know what you want. You need to build a habit and you need to build that muscle in your brain so you need to be consistent about when you do it. But it was all him coming up with the ideas to get these more, you know, positive words. And it's been a journey, you know, with him figuring it out and tweaking it. But the anxiety has lessened greatly. And then I, you know, I use it with parents. Like, how are you really feeling about your kid right now? And it's okay to own these feelings. How do you want to feel? What needs to change to to get those negative feelings into positive feelings. So I don't know if that falls into neural linguistics, but that is. It, ma- it makes sense. It's not exactly, but yeah, it makes sense. Uh, we so we, we have a minute or two left. One thing I wanted to, well, there's multiple things I want to hit. Uh, what would be most important? How do, how do we stop social media from ruining our kids? Oh gosh. Um, you know, it's, uh, that is so hard. I mean, you know, it's limiting it. Um, it's, it's, you know, it's limiting it. It's, it's having conversations around it, but quite honestly, the best way, and I know this is going to sound weird, but I'm getting ready to do another series on it just because it is so powerful. The best way to combat that, um, just all, all that yuck that you get from social media, media that comparing, that, <clears throat> excuse me, entitlement, I should have it, all my friends have it, 
is by having a family that is very active in generosity and making generosity part of practice in your home because there, there is so much and I could dig up my notes on all the chemicals that are released, excuse me, <coughs> you want to see kids start turning and acting different and realizing different and thinking differently in homes where generosity, and, and I'm not talking about just writing the check and putting it in the mail. I'm talking about volunteering at Second Harvest, ringing, you know, the bells, the kettle bells, um, getting involved at food pantries, you know, doing things. That is the number one way to impact your kids and to counteract all this crap on social media because it changes your chemical makeup in your brain. Mic drop. That makes perfect sense. Yeah, and that makes perfect sense. You're you're basically you're not necessarily counter attacking. You are building up your cities. You're building up your walls around your city to do the 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 powerful um, fighting back by themselves. Right. You're building your kids up. You're you know you're giving them self esteem. You are showing them building a value structure where like you don't necessarily need to battle the things that are coming at them from social media because they see the things and see how damaging they could be, which is, oh, go ahead. No, I think that leads into serving. You know, we've talked about that a lot. I mean, you become less of a consumer if you're giving. And um, yeah, I think that's a huge lesson. So squared away physical, we didn't cover anything physical today. Um, <laughs> mental, emotional, spiritual, we got into um, your squared away practices. What, what, what are, what are your squared, squared away practices? What are you constantly working on? Give us a quick, you know, two minute overview of how you improve yourself. Uh, the one great tool that I learned from my business coach was my eight before eight. So, you know, as business owners and, you know, especially entrepreneurs, we can let that leg. And this was a great practice. So it's eight things that I do for myself be before I start my day. And they can be anything. I mean, for me, it's taking my supplements, um, making my bed, <laughs> uh, writing in my gratitude journal, um, reading some scripture, taking some prayer time, doing some yoga, drinking a glass of water and i'll give away a little secret um i've had a lifelong speech impediment that i started going to speech therapy and corrected a year ago yet i still have to practice every day because if i don't my mouth gets lazy and you'll you'll hear that come up so then i take five minutes and practice my speech and that just sets my day up really well for success and making um just you know making good healthy choices for me i have to track my calories that's what keeps me on track if i don't track my calories during the day i really get off track so that is the discipline of mine is to track that every day um and then in the evening i do what's called a body scan 
and I just lay in bed and I just start with my head and go down to my feet and up and it's partly affirmation. Um, it's partly when I hit an area that I want to change about myself, you know, I talk positively over that. Like, you know, I am, I'm looking to get my legs stronger. So I'm like, I have healthy, strong legs and I'll just do that before, before I go to bed. Awesome. All great things. Martin, you got anything else? Uh, no, other than the, I don't know, I got some inside jokes from a contact we both know, but we well, that's not that going to work for our listeners. Not really. No. But that was good. <laughs> well, I can't wait until we're, I can't <laughs> wait till the, um, we're, we stop recording. <laughs> awesome. Thank you, Christine. I think there's probably. I, I, well, I was a little bit nervous. I was thinking back to all my years in the liquor business. I'm like, oh, is there anything that I did that could come up no. in this conversation? <laughs> No, and I'm all about growth. I'm all about growth and improvement. You you today are not the person you were five years ago. Me today, I'm not the person I was five years ago. I don't think any of us are. Well, some people still are, but. Yeah, not us here. Um, I think we have enough. We could definitely do another episode of this. Maybe a few weeks, a few months. We'll, we'll, get, we'll get Christine back on here. Um, Christine, why don't you give everybody kind of your. Give everybody your handles, give everybody your website, tell them where they can find you, where they can learn more about Parenting Game and where they can anonymously send that parenting uh, playbook to <laughs> a bunch of people that they know need to improve their parenting. Absolutely. So, yes, go to ParentingGameWins.com and you can download the free Win at Parenting playbook. You can find me on Facebook at Christine M. Bright. And then you can find the Parenting Game Wins page. And then on Instagram, you can find me at, um, at Parenting Game Wins. And if you just are needing some help, please reach out via email at Christine at ParentingGameWins.com. Awesome. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you.